Well, we looked at the, the blame game. Now, what I want to do is I want to carry on because I reckon it always takes about three or four weeks people get the message. So I want to carry on. I want to uh, help you just to start to think about how you think. And uh, particularly, I want to share. So we're carrying on this theme, the blame game. And I want to speak a message called, You Always Have a Choice. You Always Have a Choice. You Always Have a Choice. In, uh, we just pick up where we were uh, going a couple of weeks ago, Genesis 1, 26 to 28. He says, God uh, created Adam and Eve in his image and likeness. He made us, when he made man, he made us uh, like him, spirit beings. Uh, he designed us to have dominion in the earth. So it says, he blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, increase, fill the earth, subdue, and have dominion. So when Jesus, when God spoke and said, it says, he blessed them. It means he spoke words of empowerment and life into them. In other words, he expected something to happen. He spoke words that enabled them to go out. That's why in the heart of every man is a need and a desire to conquer challenges. Men love challenges. Why do they love challenges? Because God, subdue and have dominion. And it's still inside men now. That's why men who don't rise to challenges always live a, a, a defeated life. It's something in us designed to rise and conquer, rise and face challenges. Subdue means you've got to overcome something that resists you. So from the very beginning, God's intention is you and I would face challenges that required us to step up, face them, overcome them, and bring them into the way God wants them. Isn't that an awesome thought, and right from the very beginning. Sometimes Christians get a fuzzy-wuzzy idea that Adam and Eve lived in a perfect world, everything was just perfect. No, actually, it wasn't. If it, if it was a perfect world, why did God say they had to subdue something? Why is it that He said you have to bring dominion into the earth if it was all perfect? So from the beginning, God designed us to live in a world where we are required to step up and face challenges and overcome them. You are wired by God that way. You're designed for this. Isn't that really good? Now, of course, as soon as uh, Adam and Eve sinned, then immediately when God spoke to them and held them to be responsible for what they had done, they started the blame game. The blame game goes something like this. Not my fault. Why well, me? Yeah, it's the woman you gave me. Don't blame me. You know, and the woman, well, don't blame me, it's that serpent. Why do you make serpents? They cause so much trouble. I don't know. No one likes snakes. So the blame game means we shift responsibility for outcomes away from ourselves to somewhere else. We won't take responsibility. And the blame game has been practiced ever since. And we live in a culture which uh, seems to celebrate blame. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Now, you've got to realize this, that freedom and responsibility are connected. Everyone cries freedom, but you've got to realize it's a twin with responsibility. You think about this. A child, because it's not, it's, it does not take up the responsibility of feeding itself, someone's got to feed it. Because it hasn't got responsibility at bedtime, someone puts it to bed. Because it hasn't got responsibility for cleaning up its nappies, someone cleans up its nappies. So children, relatively, have little freedom. But as they grow and are able to take on responsibility, then they can actually have more freedom. And that's true, as you're an adult, you are required to be responsible. If you are irresponsible, 
the society or government will take away your freedom. In the end, they lock you up and, they, and you don't even have freedom to turn your light on and off or open the door or shut the door. You're in jail because you were irresponsible. So they're linked. Responsibility and freedom. If you want freedom, you must become responsible. So when people get into the blame game, they then lose freedom. The moment you blame someone else, too bad. You're powerless. You can't do anything. We should feel sorry for you, but we're not because God never called you to be like that, called us to change. So I want to just share a little thing that happens. It happened in my life. It happens in the lives of many people, and I want you to be able to tune in and pick it up if it's happening in you. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So if you believe it, it's true. That's how it'll work out for you. If you believe it, then that's how it's going to work out for you. As a man thinks in his heart, that's how he is. That's how his life goes. And uh, people learn to be helpless or powerless. People learn to be helpless or powerless. Let me just give you, it's a phenomenon they call learned helplessness. And let me just explain it, and then I'm going to just give you a few examples of it. And I want you to hear some of these ones which abound everywhere there are Christians. And if you don't recognize it, you'll never change it. And I want to show you how God works to change our lives so we move from being powerless and being in bondage and how we come to a place of being uh, faced with uh, Him commissioning us to go into the world and change us. God wants to shift us from a life in bondage to sin and all kinds of things into a life which is fully empowered and has victory. But this a transition point between living in bondage and beginning to explore all that God has got for you. And I want to show you exactly how God takes us through a process to get us there. If you don't understand the process, you're going to be blaming God, blaming the church, blaming pastors, blaming leaders, blaming you. You're going to live in the blame game. You'll never be the person God wants you to be, and it won't be His fault. It'll be because you either didn't know what was going on or you just made bad choices. And that's why we want to say, you've always got a choice. No matter what life dishes up, you've always got a choice. No matter how bad a hand you've got, you've got to choose how you'll play it instead of looking back and blaming the past. So uh, what they did was they did an experiment with animals, and what they did was they, they set the thing up so no matter what the animal did, it could never have a good outcome. It didn't matter what it did, it could never have a good outcome. And the animals learn after a little while you can never win. No matter what you do, you can never win. No matter what you do, it never turns out good. So that once they got them, so they were thinking that way, then they provided many opportunities for them to be able to escape or get out or, or to get out of the situation. And even though it was obvious, they still never took it up because they had learned you can never win. No matter what you do, it'll never work. You know what I'm talking about? Now, people have similar things happen to them as well. And so past experiences shape how we believe. So before you come to Christ, you have many beliefs inside you, and they're not necessarily, they're not necessarily the truth. They're just what you believe. And if you believe them, they're going to work out for you just right, just like you believe. If you believe life is bad, man, it's really bad. Did you notice? If you believe life is good, man, do you notice how good it is? You get what you believe. Belief or faith, whatever you've got believing in your heart, has a magnetic power. It pulls in around you exactly what you believe. So if you're pessimistic, isn't it amazing how bad things are? How many negative things are around? 
People who are positive, no matter how many good things seem to come into their life. It's amazing. You seem to get what you believe for. So now what happens is past experiences form belief systems which can limit us. They can limit us. And those things don't necessarily change because you become a Christian. You have to make them change. They limit us. They limit the way we look at life. and They limit what we can do. And uh, so, for example, uh, one of the things that I learned when I was quite young was this. No matter what I do, no matter how hard I work, it's never good enough. There's a lot of pain behind that belief. And there's a lot of repeated experiences that no matter how hard I work, hours and hours and hours worked hard. In fact, every school I ever went to, I got a diligent prize. I worked hard. Yet, no matter how hard I worked, there was never words of approval or commendation. There was always pointing out where I'd fallen short and could do better. Or you could do better. You could have done this. You could have done that. Now, that shapes, that shaped how I saw life. It didn't matter what I do how hard I work, how much I try, it's never good enough. Now, you can imagine, even becoming a Christian, that doesn't necessarily change. Now it just transfers to God. No matter how much I do, how hard I try, I'm still never good enough. Except now I've got all these other things you've got to learn to do that you didn't have to do when you weren't a Christian. You know what I'm saying? You're getting quiet now, so I know this is probably echoing something in your own heart. No matter what I did, I could never please Dad. It was as simple as that. No matter how hard I tried, no matter what I did, someone was still always angry. And with that, there's all the pain that goes with it. And uh, no, matter what, no matter what I did, it could still never get approval. No matter what I did, it's always criticized. So what did, what did I learn from those experiences? Apart from all the grief and, 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 uh, and loneliness that came with it, I learned lots of things. I learned no matter how hard I try, people are still going to get angry, they get mad at me, I never get approved of, and I'll never be good enough and whatever. Learned all those things growing up. When I became a Christian, they didn't change. When I became a pastor, they didn't change. Except now there's more people finding fault. Not only in my own church. <laughs> There's more. So the world was full of what I believed it to be full of. Disapproval. So of course if you're a good Christian, then you take on a persecution complex. Being persecuted for being walking with God. It's a load of rubbish. It's just you got what you're believing. And it happens over and over and over and over again. Now, I know we're all quiet now because it's getting a little close to you. And uh, so what, what you learn to do is you learn one of two things. You learn either to strive and compete and drive or you learn what's the use. When you learn what's the use, there's a lot of grief in the heart. There's pain. Uh, there's loneliness. And there's despair. And I'd find myself saying, oh, it's hopeless. Come into a situation, it's hopeless. Can't change it. I would be resigned to being powerless to change some things in life. Know what I'm talking about here? <laughs> no one's admitting anything now, okay. So what happens is, is 
you become a Christian, and then in the short term, there's an immediate joy of the walk, of the engaging God. If you're loved, oh, so blessed and praying. Then I found I was crying a lot. Started off really happy. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and praying. Then I was a lot of crying. And I realized a lot of grief. All those years of not being loved to come in where God has loved me. Oh. <laughs> And to begin to, and I had to learn to, had to make changes in how I believe. Now, what I found, of course, is, is people carry, uh, you have a whole lot of new experiences and your old beliefs surface. And of course, what happens is, is that we have developed this kind of way of thinking now that actually kind of puts us still as a victim. And I want to shift you out of it. I'll show you how God shifts you out of it and what your part in it is so you can make the shift. So you, you, hear, you hear things, well, I prayed and nothing happened. You heard that one? Uh, I prayed and nothing happened. See, limited things. They say, well, you feel helpless. I prayed. Well, the pastor told me to pray and I prayed and nothing happened. And the old feelings of helplessness come up again. So what happens is you have a whole lot of new experiences and the new experiences just surface your old junk so God can help you deal with it. So until, so, you, so you've got to have some new experiences. So you get people and the, you hear statements like this. I wonder if you've heard any statements like this. And I want you to listen to what was, I want you to listen within the statement what the person is saying. Because you've probably heard someone say something like this. Here we are. No one told me. Oh, I tried to talk to my husband, but he wouldn't listen. I tried counseling, and that didn't work. See? I'm just having a bad day. You heard that one? What's the person saying? They're saying, I refuse to be responsible for my negative attitudes and my bad emotions. I'm blaming it on the bad day. And you can't hold me responsible for a bad day. When I got up, I thought it'd be a good day. It turned out it was a bad day. And so that's why I'm like I am. I'm having a bad day. Have you heard that? It's called being irresponsible. That's what it really is. I hear Christians do that. It's just actually not owning responsibility for your emotions and your behaviors. How can you have a victory? How can you walk in dominion if you won't take ownership? You always have a choice what you do in a bad day. I mean, we'd all talk about our bad days. How about this one? I talked to him, he wouldn't listen. So what's the thing? What can I do? Talk to my husband, he wouldn't listen. What can I do? You know, tried counseling, it didn't work. What can I do? Can you feel the helplessness that comes up and then it's not my fault, someone else has got to fix it. Here's another good one. Uh, here's, here's another one. Well, I tried to get a date, but there's no good ones out there. You heard that one? Well, I'd like to get married, but there's no good men in the church. <laughs> now, now, can you hear what the person's saying? Where is the responsibility for their not being married? Where does it lie? Well, it's the church obviously hasn't got good men in it. <laughs> I can't do anything about that. It's Pastor Mike's problem. He should solve that one. <laughs> See? Oh, well, you know, we're in a country, town, a country area, so there's no good men around here. So now where's the, where's the responsibility? Oh, well, it's out there. It's, it's a country area. See? Well, shift to the city. Well, shift to the city. Well, isn't that amazing? I didn't get anyone there either. Okay. And see, because what happens is people put responsibility 
for their problems, their dilemmas, their situations outside themselves. They blame the circumstances, it was a bad day, or they blame people, I was my father, my mother, the Pakeha, it was my background, it was someone abused me, someone blah, 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 and it was someone else, therefore it's not my fault and I can be helpless, please feel sorry for me and I think I'll come up at the end and you can pray for me. Come on. Sometimes the church plays into the game. Oh, we'll just pray for you. Now, where's the responsibility lie there? I've got to pray prayers to get your problem solved. I don't think so. You, you've got the problem. It'll always be your problem. You can't take the responsibility and grow up and face it. Is that what happens? We all got so quiet today. How about this one here? You, you, you probably heard this one. Uh, I wrote it down because I thought this one. I've prayed and I'm waiting for God to provide. Well, bully for you. <laughs> but what, what are you going to do in the meantime? Hey, you going to go out and get a job? No, I've prayed. I'm waiting for God to provide. Well, I'm trusting in the script. The Lord says you provide, so I'm waiting for the Lord to provide. So yeah, yeah, what are you doing? Well, I'm sitting by the phone every day waiting for the phone to ring. Someone will come. Someone will ring me. Oh, no, no, you're just being stupid and irresponsible. Actually, you're totally irresponsible. And what you're doing is covering irresponsibility with some super spirituality. It's not actually getting ownership. So you have to think about the person who, who says, you know, and I can't get any dates, I can't get a man because there's no good men in the church. You know, what they're saying is, I've got no power over that. I have no choice. It's outside my power. I'm helpless. Got the idea? But what choices would such a person have? Well, they could ask, do I have some glitches in my personality that turn people off? I need some honest feedback. Uh, are there, am I meeting people? Am I putting myself into places where I'll meet people? Have I limited my selection of people and I'm waiting for just Jesus to return? Well, some people are. They're just waiting for Jesus. They've got no idea. Men actually aren't like Jesus. They're very like you, very full of sin and issues and problems, and they need to be journeyed into grow, just like everyone else. You don't find the perfect man. Like they said in that TV ad, get on you, mate. She's a hard road to find the perfect woman. <laughs> well, there's no perfect man and there's no perfect woman, and if you sit around waiting, you'll be single all your life. You can make better choices than that. You understand? But it's like people cloak their helplessness with certain sounds of words that sound right, but their mindsets and limiting beliefs that stop them actually engaging God and changing their life. And it goes on all the time. I hear it all the time. And if we're going to arise and be all God intended, one of the things we have to do is make the decision to become an empowered person, to take responsibility for my life and work with who I am and what I have and believe God to do unusual things through my life. Does that sound okay? Huh? So if you blame people and circumstances, you feel helpless. Of course you're helpless because you put the blame out there. Blame out there, they're responsible. Now, it may well be that other people are responsible for stuff, but you're the one who's still got the problem. If you won't own, I've got an issue. I want to get married. What are you doing? To prepare yourself and position yourself. Simple as that. Well, I, 
prayed about it. I'm waiting for God to provide. Well, isn't that wonderful? We'll keep you single for a long time. Come on, think about it. You've got to get out of this sort of thinking. I've had a bad day. Well, get out of that bad thinking. What you, what you have, let me just rephrase it. The day has turned up some troubles you didn't expect and you haven't assumed responsibility to manage your emotions and do the best with the way the day turned up for you. So what you've done, being irresponsible, is you just have, I've got a bad day and you let your stuff hang out. And you, you actually sow a bad future. You know, build good relationships by letting everything hang out. You have to actually take ownership. And I found for years I lived with resentment and anger and self-pity and depression because I felt helpless. And the only way to get out of it was to break the limiting belief. I'm not helpless. I may have been back then, but I'm not now. I'm joined to Jesus. Hey, the Bible says, Philippians 4.13, it's very, very clear. It says, I can, I can, I can, yes, I can do all things through Christ who in dunamo, who empowers me to live a great life. Yes, I can. That's a great scripture. Through Christ, whatever God calls me to do, I'm up for it because he will empower me to do it. But I got to make a decision to give it a go. Got to own the challenge, is that right? So how does God change us, eh? How does God make the change take place? Well, let's go look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, I want to show you the process, how God changed us. See, God had 2 million people to change. And uh, a lot of them didn't make it. Well, of course, it's God's fault. He should never have taken them such a hard way. Now, we'll read in verse, uh, we won't read it all. You can go and make this a study of your own. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6, it's talking about Israel. Israel is a picture of the church. Israel was in bondage in Egypt. We were in bondage in the world in sin. God miraculously delivered them. Jesus supernaturally saves us. So there's the parallel. Now, uh, Israel continued to limit God. Now, God had this in mind, not just to get them saved. God had a great destiny for them. But how does he get them into the great destiny? He's got to grow them and change them. How does he get you into a great destiny? Well, you can sing, I've got a destiny as much as you like, but it doesn't mean you're going to get anywhere near it. I'm sure that they sang, we've got a destiny, all the way from Egypt, all through the promised land, and they all died there. I want to know what God was trying to do and why they failed to make it and who got there and why. Good questions to ask, aren't they? Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, here's the lessons that God wanted them to learn. Because it says in verse 6, everything that happened to Israel is an example. It's an example. So what happened to these people is a lesson to learn. So here's, here's what I can guarantee. You're either going to figure out what happened to them and learn the lesson, or you repeat the lesson. Over the years of being a Christian, I have seen many repeat the lesson and fall in the wilderness, fail to walk on with God through the challenges of life and produce fruit that brings glory to God over their life. You probably know many like that. Started well. Now where are they? 
Somehow they fell, and there must have been a reason they fell. So what is it God wanted them to learn? It's found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Now, no temptation has overtaken you, such which is common to man. But God is faithful. Underline that one. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, that word temptation is not necessarily just a temptation to sin. It's that and a lot more. It means literally testings, trials, the challenges of life. So you notice there's several things God wants you to learn. You just take a note of these. Number one, problems are common to everyone. He says, there's nothing that's happening to you that someone else has gone through. Oh, but Pastor, you don't understand. It's such a special problem because I'm a special person and my problems are just so special you wouldn't understand. Now listen, the Bible says clearly they're common to everyone. There's nothing happening to you didn't happen to someone else and said someone here has gone through the same thing right now. Different package, same problem. See, so problems are common. Everyone has problems. Anyone doesn't? Well, what dreamland are you in? Someone else is probably fixing up all your stuff. Okay, second thing is God is faithful. Here's the second thing. God is faithful. So problems are going to come. So just because you get saved doesn't mean you don't have problems. Problems come. But here's the thing that's different. God is faithful. You can depend on Him. He'll help you. God will help you. He's not only faithful, He's powerful. If He got you out of Egypt, if He got them out of Egypt with great miracles, surely He can get you where He wants you to get. God who started this work in you, Sure, he can finish the work. Oh, you don't understand how hard this problem is. What nonsense. God is a big God. And if he can get someone saved, he can also get them right through to where he wants them to go. So the first thing is problems, everyone has them. But God, you can trust him, rely on him. He will get you through. Here's the next thing. Next thing it says, he'll not allow you to be tempted above what you're able. So that means you have the ability to handle everything that comes your way. God will make sure it's never too much. You can handle it. You can cope. Oh, I'm not coping. Listen, you're thinking wrong. You're believing wrong. You're not dealing with life. You can handle whatever God sends your way. Whatever comes your way, you're more than And here's another way. He says here, with the temptation, we'll make a way of escape that you can bear it. So in others, he'll always make a way through it. What wonderful thing. I can rest today, certain of these things, no matter what comes up today. Well, someone else has faced the same challenge. God's faithful. God's powerful. God's with me. He'll show, there's always a way through this thing. There's an answer to it. I just got to look for it. May not be the answer I want, but I've got to look for it. See? He'll find a way. Notice this says, he'll find a way that you may be able to bear it. So God's way is never to take you into the next town. It's not to get you on a plane and fly you somewhere. God's way is you walk through the problem, face it honestly, work your way through it, and it's a learning experience. You grow. So how does God shift you out of this whole place of being helpless and powerless and and resentful and blah, 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 all the stuff you've gone through? Very simple. He gives you some wonderfully new experiences that put you under a bit of heat and pressure. And it's designed not to crush you because God will never let it be more than you need. Now, notice this. The people of God started in Egypt. They were in a place of slavery. They were in bondage. Did they have any choices? No. They had to do what they were told or they were whipped for it. 
So they were in a place of slavery, place of no choices, place of loneliness and isolation, grief, resentment, bitterness, all kinds of stuff. God saved them and got them out. Now, what God had in mind was a people that would become a great nation that would impact the world. But to get them like that, he had to get them to change how they were thinking. They had lived all their lives knowing nothing except I'm in bondage, I'm helpless, I can't get out of it. Now he got them out of it, but they still thought the same way. So what God did in the season called the wilderness is he allowed them to experience a few challenges. And every challenge was designed to surface in them the pain of their bondage, the wrong believing they had, and to give them a chance to choose to believe and trust God. Every time you face a challenge, a problem, a pressure, and you feel powerless, helpless, resentful, angry, blah, blah, all the old stuff, you have an opportunity to think and respond differently as a believer. God is faithful. God is powerful. God is with me. There is a way through it. I've just got to find what it is. You getting the idea? And so Canaan was a land of huge opportunity. Canaan was a land where God expected initiative. When they were in the wilderness, God wanted them to learn how to depend on Him, rely on His Word, lean on His Word, trust in Him. So whatever came, when the time came, they could go in and take initiative. The people God is building in this hour, an apostolic people going into the world, are a people of initiative, a new generation that trust God and actually take initiatives to make things happen. See? But to get like that, you have to change out of the old slavery, bondage, victim, blame, helpless that you had when you were before Christ. So to get you there, he's got to send you a few challenges. How about that? And the challenges are to get you to stop blaming or excusing and living powerless and to take responsibility and to look in faith to God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Learn, see, God is powerful. Before, I was powerless. Now, I'm discovering God is powerful. And when I've discovered God is with me and God is powerful, I can go and face a whole hostile world and I am powerful because God is with me and nothing can stop me. Now you see, the problem was that every time Israel faced a new challenge, a new problem, a new difficulty, a new pressure, they always responded the same way. They felt powerless, got resentful and angry and complained and blamed. Or blame Moses. You got us out here. Blame someone you can see. Blame the church. Blame the government. Blame your father. Blame anyone except face the challenge. See, then that's what God allowed them to go through. Now, every time they faced a challenge, they complained bitterly. And so, every experience God designed to prepare them to go in and occupy a land and have all of these things, by the time they got there, they had no faith built in their life. So when they saw the problems, they said, we can't do it. He said, you're right, and you won't. 
I wonder what dreams and destinations God has prepared for us as a body of people and has prepared for you individually. And on the journey of preparation, as God is giving experiences for you and I to grow in faith, we complain and blame and act like a victim, act in bondage, and we are slowly and steadily disqualifying ourselves because we won't grow forward in faith. That's a challenge, isn't it, eh? Have a think about that one. How much better if we be like Joshua and Caleb? And you see, Joshua and Caleb, when the time came for them to enter the promised land, to take initiative, to go and conquer, to advance, to see victories, to see breakthroughs, to see things happen, they said, we can do it. We're well able. But the others said, we can't do it. They're infected with unbelief and negativity and pessimism. And see, that was the problem. They, they are still acting like a slave. If you think like a slave and you speak like a slave and act like a slave, you will be in slavery all your life, even if you're a free man. And, the, and what Jesus says is, he set us free, but now we have to change the way we think and respond. So we don't think and respond like a person in bondage. We begin to think and respond like a person who's free and who's joined to a mighty, powerful God, and to whom He promised us, there's nothing you're going to face today that's too much for you. Oh, well, what about the financial thing? Listen, people have been through that. Others are going through that. Whatever happens, it's not the end of the world for you. Maybe the end of some parts of you are. It's not the end of the world altogether. Come on now, eh? Now, you can be free. See, in Romans 15, 13, it says this, Now the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace through believing that you may abound in hope. In other words, God of hope. God of hope fills us with joy. Joy is one of the characteristics of freedom in the Lord, huh? And how does it happen? Because I believe God is powerful. God is with me. Nothing's too much for me. I can do it. And i got to change how I think. And the problem is, people get stuck in a rut, and they think that only, well, I spoke to my husband, he wouldn't listen. So what you're implying is, it's all his fault, and you're now a poor victim, we should feel sorry for you, poor you, you haven't got anything else you can do except roll over. Well, that's nonsense. You've got lots of other choices, except the choice you wanted, you didn't get. He didn't listen the first time around. But oh, you're not limited to that. There's lots of things you can do. You can learn new ways of dealing with people. You can learn different strategies. You can try different things. There's a whole range of different things you could do. You've just got to have, you haven't seen them yet. It's all. You've just got to think about them and ask the Lord to help you. So how am I going to get out of this learned helplessness? Let me give you it in two steps. The first part is you've got to deal with the roots. You've got to deal with the roots. And maybe there's some people today and you're living with despair, hopelessness, there's a pressure lives around your life. The one thing we can do today is we can pray and break the power of the thing over your life, but that does not keep you free of it. To keep free of it, you've got to change how you live life, how you do life. See? So the first thing is, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit to uncover any roots in your life where you've become resentful or angry or grief-stricken because you were powerless and you were held down and you had no choice. 
All of us have had experiences like that, whether it's sin that we're in bondage to, some kind of family situation, some circumstances in life, and you were powerless and you were hurt and wounded and you were broken, become angry, and you learned that you couldn't do anything. Now, you've got to admit that and bring that out to the Lord because usually when people find that, get like that, they become bitter. And they, and they have a bitter expectation which defiles everything. They kind of expect, hey, this is how life's going to work for me. Oh, well, you know, this is how it'll be. I guess wonder what today will turn up. You can feel the bitterness and the expectation drawing all kinds of negatives in. And if that's in your life, you've got to repent of it. You've got to break your agreement with it. You've got to decide to leave the pain of Egypt behind. Not carry the pain and grief of Egypt with you so you can't enter into the things that God has for you. Because to enter those, we've got to change. So if God has been taking you through some painful experiences and you've had all these old ways and thinking coming up, it's time to learn something and change. It's time to bring the grief and the pain out to the Lord and to grieve over it, to, to, to repent of bitterness, to repent of making judgments against people, to, to repent even of just that whole thing of bitterly expecting nothing's going to work for me. I've had to repent of this stuff and had to stay out of agreement with it because it comes around you so easily. So number one, you've got to deal with the roots. Number two, you've got to just embrace challenges differently. We have to embrace the challenges of life differently because there's going to be some. God's got someone just who knows how to get up your nose. He has got someone designed to just really push your button. And whatever's inside you that's unhealed, broken, wounded, in secrecy, hidden, God's got someone can come along who can just push that button and fire it up. And you'll pray all your life for God to remove them, change them, deal to them, call fire from heaven upon them. Nothing of it ever works. Have you noticed? Uh, you have to change, and you can choose to change. So this is what happens. Normally when we have a problem, we feel pain and feel helpless. I don't know what to do. And we go back into old ways of thinking. Uh, I'm powerless. I can't do anything. Well, it's not my fault anyway. Then we begin to blame and excuse ourselves, won't take responsibility, and then we reap what we have sown. So that's the old way. The old way is I, something comes up, a problem comes in front of me, I feel negative, I remember those feelings, I go back into the old ways of thinking, powerless, helpless, can't do anything, I agree with all of those thoughts again, now I become resentful and whatever, and start to blame and, and, and excuse myself, I'm powerless, I'm going to actually end up in a mess. There's no way to change your life when you act like that. See, so what I've got to do is this, got to handle it differently. The problem comes. Now, now he's praying, God, don't bring any problems into my life. And God told me off for praying that way one time. I just want to bless life. He said, I'm committed to your character, not your comfort. I'll bring a few things into your life. <laughs> not that. God knows how to put it. Just enough pain to melt you, that's all. Gets you to fall apart. He's a refiner of gold. He can make the gold fall apart. When it falls apart, you see what's the, the I'll better use a better word, the junk that's inside. <laughs> it does surface when you get melted. Eh? Okay, so, so number one, see, so when the problems come, try to just identify what you're feeling. Name it. Identify the feelings. I'm feeling helpless, feeling down, feeling angry, feeling resentful, feeling bitter, feeling like withdrawing, or feeling this, feeling that. Try to get names on the feelings. Now, what am I thinking? I'm thinking I'm powerless. You challenge that assumption. You've got to change that thinking. 
You've got to change, you've got to break your agreement with that thinking. So I believe 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 13, there's no temptation, no problem that's overtaken me that's not common to man. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. He will with it make a way of escape. Now, I wonder what God's way is through this. I need to inquire, what is the way of behaving I've never seen before? How could I deal with this in a way I've never done before? God, show me what my options are. There's always options. But sometimes we just don't know. We need, sometimes we need to ask some people to help us. Then take action and persist, and you will reap a different future. You'll reap a different future. It seems too simple, doesn't it? See, the problem is we've lived our life most of the time conscious we're alone and powerless, and we don't like it, and we're resentful about it. But if we spend time with God meditating in scriptures like this one here, that the God who created the whole world is with me, he's a powerful God, he's with me and he's helping me, and every time something comes, I can come near to him and I can begin to face how to handle it. Instead of the first time your emotions come up, you just nut off and do what you've always done. You'll get what you always got. See, we must be responsible to change the way we do things. We are not victims. Whatever God calls us to do, we can do it through Jesus Christ who empowers us to win in life. No, no more complaining. No more moaning. No more self-pity. No more caves of depression. How many know those ones? People won't miss anything. I've been in those caves of depression for days on end two little eyes at the back of the cave <laughs> looking out. No one will come in. Who would? Peer fierce, angry eyes at the end of a cave. Who's going to go in there? The pastor didn't visit me. No, he didn't like those eyes at the end of the cave either. No one does, mate. It's time you came out. Even when, when Elijah got like that, God said, what the heck are you doing here in the back of the cave, Elijah? Come on out, get out of here, get out of here. He came out, you know what he did? He wrapped his mantle around him. I'm not looking at you. I'm not looking at you. I don't know. God said, be quiet, Elijah. I've got a mission for you. Break out of those old ways and fulfill the mission I've got for you. See, that's what God's saying to you. Whenever these things come, don't roll over. Don't just fall on the ground and roll over like a dead dog. Nothing has overtaken you. That's not common. There's someone else rolling over in the back there. See? But God is faithful. God is faithful. Come on, let's just close our eyes right now. Father, we thank you. Right now, in Jesus' name, we break our agreements with negativity, complaining, with despair and helplessness. We break our agreements with resentment and unbelief. Lord, we thank you. You are with us. You are with us, powerfully with us to make us an overcoming people. Lord, give us grace to change. And Lord, keep those challenges rolling in. <laughs> keep them rolling in so we can grow up and be bigger and stronger and more capable than we've ever been before, more persistent than we've ever been before, more fruitful than we've ever been before. Listen, there may be someone here and you're sitting here today and you're not a Christian yet, you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, man, you're living in victim land, really. It's a difficult life without God. All on your own, having to try and walk through life.
not sure of what, what's in store, not sure of how you're going to get through, not sure of eternity and where you'll spend it. But friend, one decision and one moment of time to respond to Jesus Christ. He's your friend. Came into this world to die on the cross for your sin. One decision starts you on a journey of walking with God. A totally different journey than the one you've ever experienced before. People in this church have already made that decision. They're on the journey. They're a little ahead of you. But friend, you start out that journey. Don't sit on your hands. Don't hold back. Make the decision. I'll come to Jesus Christ. I'll begin to walk with God, have a different life than the one I've had. Much different life, free of sin, free of accusation, able to walk with God. That'd be a great thing to do. If that's you today, why don't you raise your hand if you're here today and you're not a Christian, want to give your life to Jesus. Quickly raise your hand. Let me see. Friend, you're here today. Make that decision. Don't hold back and put it off for another day. Make the decision today. I will receive Jesus Christ. I'll become a Christian. Is there anyone here today among us want to give their life to Christ today? Just raise your hand right now. Right now as we finish. Right now. Right now. I wonder how many others today, as I was speaking, you realize you are in an agreement with helplessness in some area of your life. You're in agreement with that whole thing that caused you to think you have no power. And today you say, I need to break my agreement with that. Why don't you just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. That's me. I've been behaving that way so often when I'm under pressure. I kind of go into myself and go into that cave and feel bad and don't come out. Is that you? Is that you? Raise your hand quickly right now. We want to pray with you today. I want to stand in If you will make a decision to rebel against that thing and begin to process what's happened in your life and begin to choose differently, we want to stand in agreement today that God will break the power of it. 